Hello everyone and welcome to Wednesday Night Live. This is Pastor Ron Crawford from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas, and it's a privilege to be able to reach out to my congregation here in Dallas and also to our extended Saints Network family who may be listening in many places across the United States and in several in um, nations throughout the world. So welcome. What a unique time this is. I mean, unique is really not the word for it. I, I think that um, our language uh, lacks a true descriptive. Maybe French has one, I don't know, but we'd have to ask Luke and Sylvie about that. I, um, I do know several things, and this is not the message for tonight, but it's, uh, it's kind of a, um, a proclamation. Number one, God is not put off by this. This does not surprise him at all. The, the COVID pandemic, uh, if I read through the lines of what God prophesied to us over the past number of months, every one of those words is right on. But God spared us the, the knowledge that such a, such a worldwide phenomenon as COVID-19 was actually going to happen. And, you know, it kind of goes along with the way God moves in, in general. He tells us what he's going to do. He positions us. He's with us. But the walk of faith implies that with each step, you need to be in contact with the right hand of the throne of God, and you need to be sensitive to what he's saying. It is a journey. It is a walk. And if God told us everything that was going to happen, where then would be our reliance upon him? Where then would be the 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 need for us to take a step into an unknown? And so what God did tell us and what he's prepared us for is, as the British would say, spot on. But you can feel his abiding presence in a wonderful and in rich, in a rich way in this time frame. Um, God is sharing marvelous things with us. He is establishing incredible um, points of growth in all of our lives, and he truly is positioning us for a time when a breakthrough is coming. At a certain moment, God, in his infinite wisdom, is going to, I've used this term a lot, quell this thing. He's going to stop it. And, and at that point, we need to be ready to move. Uh, lots of people are going to be exuberant because they're, the life that they know is, in their eyes, restored and, uh, of course, we're going to enjoy being able to gather together again legally. And we're going to enjoy being able to, to go out and, and to do the things that had become part of our lives. But I want you to know this one thing. Life as we knew it is forever changed. And it has nothing to do with this virus. It has nothing to do with any measure of it revisiting or it being... Um, um, it being 
uh, recycled in the fall. Uh, God has changed by his divine edict the times. Something has transitioned. A page has been turned in the eternal dynamic of God's timetable. And so what we as saints need to do is to be faithful to pray every day, be sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord uh, as He speaks, stay current in our, in our progression of studying the things that God has revealed, um, establish the altar in our place of dwelling. I mean, just establish it. I don't mean play some music and pray a little bit. Establish it as a dwelling place of the Most High. Apply the cross. Apply the, the power of, of what that cross has purchased for the histemes. Apply the, uh, the various things that we've learned about standing in the gap and assert them. I mean, this, this, all of our training is needing to be brought to bear now. And um, we're not in fear. We're in confidence. And God is with us. So we, we rejoice in that. And don't forget to continue to rejoice and give thanks to God for the application of his blood upon your life. And all of the ramifications of that that we've learned in the scriptures. And for this Passion Week, give thanks to him that <clears throat> he's covering you, he's covering your family, your household, and that um, this scourge, this noisome pestilence, this destroyer, this plague is passing over you. You know, that's what the Passover was. And, and when Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, the Jewish people shouting out Hosanna, they wanted somebody to save them from Roman oppression then. What they were looking to in that Passover season was the oppressor being killed and them going forward. And um, to, to know what that promised land was supposed to be. The challenge with that was that they had hundreds of years to really enjoy that provision and they made a lousy job of it I'm not criticizing I'm just reading the box score so for many of them they they wanted a Messiah to rise up drive Rome out but what would have happened then they would have lapsed into the same malaise of foolishness that they had allowed their walk in God to become and um, so our Lord provided through his Passover sacrifice, things that were better than that of Abel. And we have, we've enjoyed being citizens of the kingdom and sons before the throne and being in the heavens, according to what the Hebrew writer of the Hebrews said. Um, and that's what we should be exhibiting now. But part of that is that God's protection is upon us. Now, I've got relatives that aren't necessarily walking in the deeper things of the Spirit. I'm not criticizing. Again, I'm just saying they're in the general church. I pray for a blessing for them. 
But, you know, I pray that God will protect them. But what I'm telling you is <clears throat> the household of the saints is under this covering and your walking with God in this movement is something distinct. It's, it's, it's God uh, with you, Elohim with you. And we bless extended family, but you need to cherish the precious that God has given to you. I bless the extended family. I bless our nation. I pray for our president, and I know those in other nations. You need to be praying for your leadership. The decisions they're making now need to be guided by the Spirit of God. It doesn't mean that they are, they are holy people. It doesn't mean that any more than, than Cyrus was when God anointed him. But, you know, I didn't hear anybody in the Scripture complaining during the time of the Babylonian dispersion that Cyrus was uh, a murderer and that Cyrus was this and that Cyrus was that. They were just grateful for the edict of God that was coming through them. A lot of times today we, we hear those that are all over the map politically who say, how can you support a president who does this and doesn't do that and doesn't do this? Well, what's the alternative? Let's just uh, let's just wait for the Antichrist. He's going to have all his boxes checked. You're probably on a path with some of you. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. Uh, we need to believe that God is blessing our leaders right now and that we need to pray for them, offering supplication. Um, we need to we need to ask God to guide their their steps. That's what the scripture tells us to do. And um yeah, this isn't a political diatribe, but we want to bless President Trump and Vice President Pence, and we want to bless Steve Mnuchin, and we want to bless those people that are working on these task forces. We need to bless Ben Carson. We need to bless um, the the, the um, uh, Surgeon General. We need to really pray that God will do through this what he needs to do and that his spirit will be upon them doesn't mean that we are subscribing to whatever they're doing. Sometimes I read things in Christian rags who, who they, you know, people say, how can Christians, how can the evangelicals support leadership that said this or did this? Well, what's the alternative? Really, what's the alternative? Insurrection? Antifa taking control? You know, at least there has been a stand for the rights of Christians. And there's no perfect, you go down through the list of presidents, there's no perfect president. There just wasn't. I mean, you know, history has a way of revealing things after the statute of limitations opens up records. You know, all of the leaders that, that have been in position in our country have had skeletons in the closet and have done things that have not really been godly we don't judge them but you know you're not going to find a perfect leader we find a perfect god and what he said was pray for them yes great things happen through some of the leaders you know you look back at lbj who's a, an icon here in texas 
He, he brought about many civil rights advances. We're grateful for that. But he was hard. He was rough. Uh, Kennedy, as saintly as the press made him, I mean, he, he was doing a lot of things that were scandalous. Nixon, I mean, you go down the line. I mean, I don't, this is not a, 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 civil, a, civil, a civics class, but we need to be praying for our leaders and get off the political bandwagon. You, know, you better believe, I mean, over my lifetime, I prayed for leaders and I, I would cringe at the decisions they were making. And, and I would pray, God, save our country from these things that they're doing. And I didn't get up and curse them. Um, we as saints need to wake up to the power God has given us and be God's representatives. So, yes, pray for the President of the United States. Pray for those in leadership. Ask God to position them to make decisions that will be commensurate with the plans that the Almighty has. And pray for them. Bless them. Um, we have a mission as saints. The church is, is going to encounter things in the years to come that are going to be outrageous. And business as usual is not going to cut it. I'm believing, as I've said over this past couple of weeks, that, you know, God is putting things in motion now that, um, and this time frame is going to be appealing to people, is appealing to people who God has earmarked to come alongside the saints. They're going to take hold of the hem of the garment God has given us, and they're going to say, let us come with you. They're hungry. They're being made more hungry than ever for the things that God is wanting to use them in. So we need to be praying about that. We need to be believing that the Spirit of the Lord is, um, is, doing, um, um, is, is doing His perfect work. So may God bless that agenda. But the main thing is be in prayer. Now, just a couple of things. Um, this Wednesday night live broadcast is going to be up. We thank Scott for working on this. Um, it's going to be up before seven fifteen. Um, I'm I'm doing this now at lunchtime because I want to make sure that we get this up. Now, the way things are going, they have gone. You know. You, you can't rely on the internet. There's so many businesses and kids and families that are huluing and um, Disney Plus that I don't want to run the risk of coming up here at 7 and suddenly we don't have internet and you're all sitting there thinking, where is it? So we're doing this um, early. It's, not, it's live now, but as so often is the case today, Everybody's broadcasting from home. I'm up here in the booth. I've had a wonderful time of prayer in the sanctuary. Don't ask me if you can come. <laughs> I don't want Judge Jenkins after us. I'm the pastor. I'm making sure things are in the spirit realm active. Tap into it from your home. Do what God needs to do in expanding 
the reach of his kingdom in in this metroplex and in wherever you're living so um friday morning i think probably around 10 i'm going to broadcast a a word for good friday so um i'll say it's at 10 o'clock it'll be live so you can tune in then on the saints um saints radio uh it, that and that means it's going to be live so it's not going to be simulcast on facebook we've had issues with that but it'll be live on the website and as soon as scott or robin can punch it up on other things it'll be available for you so um that's just the way it is i've missed meeting my congregation on wednesday i miss the filibusters i miss seeing you all um but know that every day I'm praying for you, and I'm believing the blood of Jesus is upon you. I thank God for you. And um, this coming Resurrection Sunday, we'll have Sunday School live. Les Terrell scheduled to speak. We'll have a worship time. We'll have a service. And um, we'll see how long this goes. But we're going to take advantage of what God's giving us. He has afforded it. He has accorded it, so take advantage of it. Let there be no woe is me's. Press the advantage of what God is giving us and be ready for when his time table says, okay, enough, we're we're free to move about, to move about the country. And um, that would be a good thing for Southwest to resurrect. You know, you're free now to move about the country. That used to be one of their slogans years ago. Maybe they could use it again when all the flights are mobilized once more. You're free now to move about the country. I can see that. Some some flight attendant standing at the front of the southwest plane taking off the mask and says, you're free to move about the country. That would be a great thing. You don't, you don't even have to pay me a royalty for that. That, that, that. that harkens back to what Southwest used to do. And that harkens back to um, some of their most famous commercials. That would be a good one. Anyway, so Friday morning, 10 o'clock, and um, on Resurrection Sunday, we will, be, uh, we will be having church. So we look forward to what God is going to do. Okay sipping from what's in my cup which is today is some java that's just for pastor larry hopefully you received the outline of uh, what we're going to share in this message i wanted to talk today about some lessons that we learn from the garden of gethsemane and some of what our lord jesus faced in his night of extreme intercessory passion. Um, most Christians, and I, I ha- am one, can remember from their earliest days their own impressions of what Gethsemane was. And... Um, We know it most famously from the artist who painted Jesus at the huge boulder with his hands crossed and him looking up in prayer. 
We remember the disciples falling asleep. We remember Judas leading a group of ne'er-do-wells up to arrest the Lord. We remember Peter cutting off the ear of um, one of the servants and Jesus putting the ear back on um, and him being that servant being healed. But there are so many pneumaticos principles that are hidden within the text, the various gospel accounts of Gethsemane, and we need to really see what influences were affecting the Lord and what he did in response, because this is our leader. This is the pattern for what sonship should be, and the things that Jesus relied upon uh, in those hours are things that God has taught us about as pneumaticos people. And we need to see what Jesus did on the front line of enemy assignment and on the front line of battling against that, on the front line of facing off against darkness. How did Jesus deal with that? You know, right now in our nation and in the world, there are there are, there are a lot of reactions going on. Um, there's fear. There's anxiety. There's, um, there's denial. There, there are accusations and strife. There are people vying for political position. There are, uh, there are a lot of wicked thoughts and viewpoints that are being tossed about. And... Um, in the spirit realm, there's the awareness that something has happened that is rare, especially in these days, these modern days. And um, God has turned the page on his timetable. Um, the darkness is there. The darkness that is inviting the creativity of the light of the Lord and the enemy is also there trying to manipulate and to influence and to take full advantage. The agape of God is there that casts out fear. Um, you have all these scenarios. And, um, you know, that's the thing. We mentioned this a little bit on Saints Radio yesterday. But when you confront darkness, you need to recognize that darkness is an invitation for the light of the Lord to come. God hides himself in the darkness. And throughout eternity, we're going to be facing one measure of darkness after another because God is going to continue to create. He's going to continue to shine his light in partnership with us and the angelic into new vistas that he has ordained to create something wonderful and new. And... Um, the enemy loves darkness because he can take advantage of it largely because most Christians are clueless as to what to do in the darkness. A lot of Christians just think that darkness is wicked and evil. Well, that doesn't stand up to the test of Scripture because how can that be evil if God hides himself in it? Now, you're going to have to be the light that goes into the darkness and you're going to feel 
just in the creative standpoint, you know, in John, it says that um, Jesus was the light. And when he came, the darkness could not comprehend, could not resist and overcome. Darkness is going to immediately, it's going to need to be plowed. It's going to need to be, um, uh, it's going to initially resist because that's what any sower of seed faces. You know, you, you have to dig down deep. That takes some exertion, some planting. And so darkness tried to overcome Jesus, but the light came. Now, the enemy, again, will try to manifest himself in darkness, but most of his manifestations are based upon trickery and deception and the, and the substantiated thought that those that are bearing the light usually don't know what they're doing. They think they could just blow a few toots on the shofar, play the latest song out of Bethel or wherever, and um, suddenly everything's going to be peachy keeny, okay. And when that doesn't happen in two or three days, then there's a recoil. And your, your easy Christianity is not producing results, and you begin to doubt God, doubt things, and you then spiral. You know, when you've done all to stand, stand there for. Standing in the gap requires resisting. You know, when the enemy comes in one way, you resist, and he flees in seven. And you know, what does it say? When the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard. You know, I remember hearing a teaching by Jack Hayford early in my ministry, and he said, you know, so often we think the enemy comes in like a flood. But the punctuation in that Hebrew text from Isaiah says when the enemy comes in, not if the enemy comes in, but when the enemy comes in. Like a flood, then the Spirit of the Lord raises up his banner. And, you know, you, you need to become like a flood. You need to allow the momentum of the Lord to cause you to be built up. What do we know about a flood? Well, God used the flood to destroy wickedness in Noah's day, and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall the end time be. Um, we know that the river of God starts off at, as a trickle in, in heaven. It's from the scripture. Look it up. I don't need to tell you which. It's Ezekiel. But by the time it gets down to its intended place, it's waters that cannot be passed over. Friends, that's a flood. So like a flood, how does that flood progress? When the enemy comes in, you're at the throne. You are hearing from God. You are moving alongside him. You are gaining the leaves uh, that grow in the tree of life for the healing of the nations. You're eating those fruits, which is the right of the saints. By the time that's manifested on the earth, it's waters that cannot be passed over. You're moving in the water of God. It's not, let's go dance in the river. I mean, you can't dance in a flood. You try that, and you're going under. You know that? We like to sing about the river. When Brownsville was there, it got everybody river happy. You know, all those songs about dancing in the river. You know, I don't want to dance in the river. <laughs> I don't. 
I want to I want to partner with God from where that river begins at his throne and I want to see it become a flood that carries the modern day Noahs to victory. And that's where we are. That's where we are. So dancing aside, I want to see that flood. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, God is raising his banner, his standard. And that banner is love. That banner identifies what the seven spirits are doing. That banner identifies God's army. That banner is waving over us now. So when the enemy comes in, how do you, how do you deal with that? Well, I rebuke him. Bless God, I cast him out. Bless God, I hurl a few scriptures. Old brother so-and-so on the internet said this, so I'm saying that too. Those things may all be great, but the way the enemy is going to be put aside is God arising and his enemies being scattered. And the, the flood is going to be God's people who have been partnering with the Almighty from the trickle of the throne through paradise, astride that measure of the tree of life and the healing of the nations and the fruits that are going to affect humanity is going to come from that. So like a flood, the banner of the Lord is going to be known. That's where we are right now. Yeah, the enemy's out there. But what's the solution? You overcome through the blood of the Lamb and the word of your martyria. You're committed to what God has said from the foundation of the world. That's how you overcome. That's how you overcome. So, just apply the things you've learned in Scripture. And um, don't be in fear. God is with you. That blood is wonderful. It's covering you now, as I mentioned earlier. And the, 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 the wicked influences and the devourer and the noisome pestilence passes over you. I declare it over all of us once again. But we're not in fear. We're in the agape of the Lord. We're in faith. What is your identity in God? You as saints, read the scripture. What is the end time identity of the saints? Read Daniel. Read the, the, the passages in Revelation. You have a calling. You're walking with God. Be that now. So, this is where we are. But when we see what Jesus encountered in Gethsemane, you wondered whether I was ever going to get to this, but here we are. Matthew 26, verses 36 through 39. Then came Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and he said unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with Peter, he took with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. He said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry you here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prosuke, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. So many things we should say about this. And again, the one we always say is he wasn't asking to get out of the cross. He wanted God's timing. Yes, it was daunting. 
But he did not come to earth as the very Son of God to at the last minute say, nope, don't want to do it. He wanted to make sure it was God's timing. And he wanted to make sure that cup was perfect and entire um, according to the will of God. That being out of the way, when Jesus came into the garden, he was sorrowful and very heavy. And then exceeding sorrowful, paralipos. What does that mean? Well, it speaks about being um, surrounded and impacted by lots of different types of emotion um, and to be really surrounded by influences that were all trying to direct him in one way or another. That was there. Have any of you felt that way recently? Well, you're not alone. Very heavy is a very strange word. Ad demonio. Anybody see a hidden word in there? How about demon? And this is, this is a word that says that the enemy was there trying to exert his influence. Ad demonio. And usually, the only other time, uh, uh, let me say this. The only other scenario in which this word is used in the New Testament was when the Apostle Paul talked about a fellow minister who was being um, beset by the enemy concerning uh, how that a recent illness, a recent challenge that that man faced had caused people in other churches to become overwrought for him. And the guy was so despairing over the fact that he had caused people to be sorrowed that this influence came against this guy. So how does that apply to where we are, where the Lord was? Well, it's undeniable, even if you look at lexicons. I mean, I feel all the time like when I've done a lot of study about something, I have to always prove to people that what I'm saying is right. I shouldn't have to do that with my family uh, of saints, and I know that none of you are that way. But if you look at the, the lexicons, you'll see that all of the old Germans even say that this is an an, an, a measure of uh, alluding to the demonic. And, you know, the enemy will try to ride in on what you seem vulnerable to emotionally. He'll try to gauge the dossier of your life, and he will, as a roaring lion, try to take advantage of where you have made yourself vulnerable. You see, we, we, I could say where you're vulnerable. We all have areas that need to be girded up. We don't have to be vulnerable in them. But the enemy will test that, you know, like in sports, in football, particularly hockey. A lot of times coaches in bad scenarios, but this happens, will say, okay, this guy just had a, uh, a broken collarbone or he had a this happen or that happen. Hit him hard there. They do that. And um, they shouldn't, but they do. They want to gain an advantage. The enemy knows where you have exhibited weakness. You need to gird that up. 
but he will ride that. Now, I don't know where he attacks you in fear. You may not even realize to everybody else who's around you, if they're honest, they know what, what squeaks a lot in you. And you need to, you need to watch over your life because the enemy's trying to come in uh, in an area that he knows you're willing to, to discuss. So don't let that happen. If there, how do I know what that is, Pastor? Well, what, what keeps irking you right now? After you've cast out fear and welcomed the agape, what's still there? Chances are that's an area that you've left vulnerable. And the enemy's going to try to be there to press it. And if, if he knocks and you're saying, hello, he's going to talk to you. And um, for Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, Peter. Peter didn't want to go and see the Lord crucified. That was against what a big man wanted to do. He didn't want to make himself vulnerable. He was used to being the, the tallest uh, guy in the room the one that everybody could look to as the rock. So when Jesus said, I'm going to have to go up and suffer many things, Satan was there to go through that place in Peter, and Jesus rebuked the enemy. That's an indication of what was happening here. So you need to go into your personal place. You don't have to blab it to everybody. How do I defend against that? Well, first of all, recognize it. Recognize that you, perhaps, are making yourself vulnerable. Nobody else is. Oh, but my family expects this. Oh, this person expects that. Yeah, yeah, you can deal with them without making yourself vulnerable. You can be available without being vulnerable. And you're going to have to learn how to say no. You know, there are a lot of people that in their own weakness right now are trying to press their, their secret fears onto you. If they feel like misery loves company, fear loves it too. So just be careful that you're not letting trusted friends come through trap doors in your, in your house of the Lord and influencing you. Only you can stand. So remember what God's called you to be. Remember your calling. Apply scriptures there. And if there's something that keeps barking, Chances are it's an area that you have left open. You're going to have to shut it. So do it. Now, I know that this paralipo is there. There are all kinds of things that keep pressing in. You know, just I don't want to go too far with this, but yesterday we had a squirrel running around in the ceiling of the youth room. Well, nobody's here. Ruby came up and met with an orkin rep, and I'm grateful for that. Nathan's going to come up and work. You know, we got to organize this. I don't want squirrels in the youth room. They're nasty creatures. And, uh, you know, you have to deal with that. Then you also have to deal with the fact that this uh, payroll protection plan that's kind of a grant for churches, it's been a booger trying to get through the banks to that. You spend hours doing it. Hours. And we still haven't heard from our parent bank. That's frustrating. You know, those pressures weigh on you. And those are just two of them that erupted yesterday. 
I can bind him and rebuke him. I commanded that squirrel to leave, but yet that little knucklehead was back in there two minutes later. Maybe I need to learn how to pray squirrel talk. I don't know. Well, if you were really a man of faith, you could command it to go. Well, why don't you command it from your altar place? I'd love for the squirrel to be gone due to your efficacy. Well, you know, those kinds of things come. People do weird things. People call and try to instill fear. Gossips are still going to be gossips. Your, your family sirens are still going to be squawking on the phone to you. You're going to have to face that. The point is, don't let them wear you down. I know that's easier said than done. But those influences are there. And there are also influences where the enemy recognizes, I got a live wire here. If I press this, I'm going to really cause them to go into a tailspin. Those two, Lipio and Adamonio, is, um, is, are operative things. So what did Jesus say? He told them, look, all these influences are coming around me. And, you know, I, it's, it's even unto death. Isn't that weird? Now, you can look at that in two ways. You could say, I recognize that this is going to be coming after me all up to the time that I have to die. I kind of think that's what he meant. Because he, what, he would not have been saying, you know, you know what? These things are just too much. I think it's just going to kill me. The Lord wouldn't say that. But he told, what did he tell them to do? You need to go over there and you need to watch Gregorio. You need to remain active in the spirit realm. You need to recognize what's going on. Now, these boys didn't. The Bible gives them a pass saying that they were weary due to sorrow. Well, undoubtedly, this influence was there. And it can just make you think, well, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut it down for a while. We've all felt that. But the Lord told them to be sensitive in the spirit room. Gregorio, we know what Gregor Gregarious is. Somebody that can just go and talk. Yap, yip, yap, talk. He can go into any place and talk. We've had some Saints Network pastors that I have really admired for being able to do that. God wants you to be able to do that in the spirit realm, to be active before his throne, not questioning God, not bellyaching, not taking a list of Aunt Nellie's prayer requests, but stay alert in the spirit realm. Some are, it's a tendency to be more alert to everybody's opinions on the Internet or what the talking heads on the media are saying. You, you, you need to be aware of those things, but don't be Gregorio with them. Be aware, but don't, uh, don't let them chart your course. Know what God's saying and recognize things in the Spirit. And even if the things you haven't figured out yet, you just keep pressing in. You'll understand it better by and by. But press in. Be active as a saint in the Spirit realm. How do you do that? Pray. Pray in diversities of tongues. Break through the malaise. I'm telling you, some mornings I get up, and I just feel the press of, of wickedness. I feel darkness. And I have to pray for a little while before I break through. You know, the other day I prayed in, at home, and I wasn't getting anywhere. And I needed to come up here to do 
a point of ministry. So it wasn't like, well, I'm not getting anywhere. I better get up to the sanctuary. I don't want to sow that into your head because some of you, that's what you'll hear. I can't break through here. I wish I could be in the sanctuary. You can break through wherever the Lord is. He put you where you are. He knows where you are. Break through. But what I'm saying is that it was a few hours before my praying in the Spirit actually catapulted me and in the atmosphere of the Lord brought me into a point where I was above that thing. You're going to have to resist the enemy and he'll flee. It doesn't say rebuke the enemy and he'll flee. Resist the enemy and he will flee. Now you can rebuke the enemy. Don't get me wrong, but there's sometimes you've got to stand and stand there for, and there's sometimes you've got to resist until the breakthrough comes. It's like the violent take it by force. Jesus said that. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. That means who wants it most? That's what it means. The king of the hill strategy. So he told his disciples to stay Gregorio, and I'm telling you to do that same thing. You also see in Mark 14, oh, oh, I'm going to say one more thing about Matthew 26. I referenced this. Jesus fell on his face. Now, he doesn't use proskuneo there, but if he falls on his face, what's he doing? And he prosuke. He was engaged in supplication, prayer, waiting on God for direction and clarity and prophetic viewpoint. We've got to see that. Okay, moving on. Mark 14. He took with him Peter and James and John. Don't know where the sailboat was. And he began to be more uh, sore amazed. Ekthembeo. That's to be astonished and to be very heavy. Adamonio. And he said to them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, Paralipos, unto death. Tarry you here and watch, Gregorio. There's all our words. We add one. Jesus was sore amazed, ekthambeo, to be astonished. Do you mean to tell me that Jesus Christ, Son of God, firstborn among many brethren, fully man, fully God, was astonished at something? Yeah? The Bible says in another place he marveled, first of all, at faith of the centurion, and in another place at the lack of faith. But here he was astonished. Sometimes you gain a groundswell in a new environment, in a paralypsos. Sometimes the enemy throws a bunch of stuff, and you immediately don't don't have your bearings on what exactly is happening. Even the Son of God, who was tempted in all points like we were, faced this. So what do you do when that happens? This is a parallel passage. He tells his disciples, stay frosty, stay active before God in prayer. Jesus relied upon prosuke. Jesus fell on his face to where he was praying. He, um, he recognized that he was a person that was fulfilling the calling of God, and he wanted to make sure he did exactly what God the Father wanted. That's what you do, in a nutshell, when you're astonished spiritually. You don't go running, screaming, calling everybody for opinions. 
You don't go down the trail, oh, here I am. You know, what, what could Jesus have said here? The other, the other eight disciples were not with him in this in, interior place. One of his disciples was selling him out. And these three were soon going to be sawing logs. I did not understand this song. They would be snoring. They were asleep. Three times he comes to him, and every time he finds him asleep. They keep hitting the pneumatica snooze alarm. So he didn't have anybody there standing with him in the natural. The Bible does say an angel came and strengthened him, Iskoros. There was a strengthening on behalf of what his mission was for the world. The angel didn't come and kratos him. That was already being given through his communion with the Father. But the next step down in the hierarchy chain of authority was this angel recognized what Jesus was doing was from, for, on behalf of all of the regions, all of the lines of demarcation, all of the places where you and I are standing, where the train of God would be established. An angel came and stood with him there, and that was, that was for Jesus' benefit, but it was also in alignment for what the angels were going to have to do. God's good about that. So many times angels come to minister alongside and help us. Yes, we're benefiting by it, but it's also because we're going to be working with them and laboring with them, those very ones, in places that God has ordained. So Jesus could have said, oh, I don't know. You know, this is kind of rough. I've got eight that are down there. They're probably already asleep. These three are soon going to be goners. Judas is selling me out. You know, I'm astonished by this. I'm son of God. I shouldn't be astonished by anything. He didn't say any of that stuff. He prayed. He was on his face. He was in partnership with the Father, and he was in active supplication prayer, waiting for directives. These are all things we need to be doing. Okay? Luke 22 Verses 39, 41. He came out and went as he was wont. That's a good word, W-O-N-T. To the Mount of Olives. His disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Prosuke, that you don't enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and he tethemed and prosuked. What is he saying here? Well, there's two added features. One, you better prosuke so that you don't enter into temptation. What that means is, it would be really great if you guys were in tune with the Father to where you could recognize what's going on because in just a few hours, you're going to scatter. One of you is going to deny me three times. And if you would really invest yourself now, you would be led by the Spirit Um you you you're not going to be crucified with me but at least at that point you know you're not going to be they're going to erect another cross for you that would have screwed the whole story up that would have screwed the whole thing up because then people would have said oh you know he gave his life too only jesus did own one and true sacrifice what he was saying is if you really gain the perspective of god right now and do what you're supposed to do you're not going to be scattered in fear uh, without a clue. That's what he meant by that. But he uh, he was prosuke, um, and um, he, he was 
he was praying in Tetheme, all the things that God had given him to do, uh, all the things that God had said for him to do, um, he was presenting them in that Tetheme fashion so that the exact purpose of God in the storehouse in heaven would be fulfilled, every part of it. And so that when the sacrifice was complete and he looked to God and said, it is finished, he was saying, I've done all that you've asked me to do, and this sacrifice is done, and now I give up the ghost. I surrender my spirit into your hands, into that partnership that was first began at the right hand of the throne. I came, and now I've come back in peace. The Prince of Peace is surrendering his spirit into your hand. What a wonderful thing. Let's look at one other passage in Mark. Um, and uh, verse chapter 14, verse 36. And Jesus said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. We've studied a lot about Abba. This is a directive to the first things, to the Ab. It's a directive to the foundational purpose of God. It is what God shared with him in the deep place of commune. What the essential thing, the integral thing he was called to accomplish. This is what he meant by Abba. He wasn't saying, Daddy, I don't want to do it. Get me out of here. He was saying, Abba. He was saying, let me fulfill your foundational purpose. And he said that several times in the narrative in the garden. So you see him with Abba. You see him with on his face. You see him regularly with um, the, the, the grace and supplication prayer. You see him with uh, the Tetheme. You see him with angelic strengthening and partnership. You see him telling his disciples to be active in the spirit realm and to remain active so that they can know what God is saying and not, not be scattered. Um, you see him saying, you know what? I'm feeling all of these different types of pressures. They're coming emotionally from a number of different sides. I feel the enemy trying to take advantage of it. In fact, some of the things that are coming are so intricate and so multifaceted that it's astonishing to me. All these things Jesus says in this passage, it wasn't just him going to a rock, folding his hands and looking up with a Mona Lisa look on his face and then going to wake up the disciples every little bit. All of these things are operative words that we've been trained in, in the scripture. And in this season, this is, we've entered into a new page in the timetable in God. Yeah, there are going to be a lot tougher things coming in the years to come. But we're sowing ourselves into the path of the Lord now. And we're applying every one of these things. God is not confused by any of this. And for the saints and for the pneumaticos individuals, we need to be tough. We need to be strong. Our resolve needs to be bedrock in our Father. We need to apply what he's taught us to do. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. We should not give place to the enemy. We should not give place to the general church opinions that want to sow fear into you. 
What is your solution? Be the son God has called you to be. Is it going to be tough at times? Yes. Your quick bind and rebuke in your three-point sermon may not drive it away in an hour. Stand in the gap. Be faithful. God is strengthening you to emerge from this time frame in victory and in power, being more than enough through God. Listen, this is what God is wanting of us in this moment. And yes, God's in control. Yeah, it might be inconvenient for you. Yeah, you might miss your routine. Yeah, some of you who are lonely, you need to buck it up. Honestly, I'm not minimizing where you are, but this isn't a time for safe spaces. This is time for standing in the gap. That loneliness that some of you are privy to is an, a place where the Adamonio is trying to attack you. Put him to flight. You're not alone. God is with you. You are more than enough through him. I, I'm trying to be like a drill sergeant here because you need to hear this. God is in charge of this moment. He's protecting you. His blood is upon you. He's opening up an altar where you live. He is, his stelos, the temple pillar, is connecting you from earth to heaven. What has God just taught us about? The thesaurus in heaven. What has God just spent time talking to us about? Our deesis and our prosuke, our being that voice of supplication that Daniel was, that broke through the malaise of the enemy and the assignments of the prince of Persia and the prince of Grecia that came. Gabriel came and said, you know, from the first day your supplication was offered, it was heard, and I've come on behalf of that 21 days later. 21 days later. Listen. You are mighty in God. Believe it and be it. And apply these lessons God has given. This is year of wisdom. Yeah, darkness. Who knew? Who knew that darkness would come upon the earth in the way it has? But you know what? This is worldwide. This darkness is an invitation the Spirit of God still knows how to brood upon the face of the waters. He is with you. At some point, according to the timetable of God, according to the throne of God, according to the bastions of wisdom and understanding in heaven, according to what's going on in the temple of the tabernacle of testimony, at some point God's going to say, Enough! And the light is going to break forth. We've got to be ready. We've got to know. Our prayer is facilitating that under the direction of the great intercessor, our Lord Jesus Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be as God, but yet he humbled himself and took the form of man. We are humbling ourselves right now yeah, it's inconvenient, but we're all fed. We're all safe. God's covering is upon us. Be assured of what he's called you to be. Whew! 
I want to tell you, friends, there's an anointment in this little room right now. And I release that same anointing to you. Father, in Jesus' name, I declare over my flock here in Dallas, over the extended flock that we gladly have embraced as part of our own, our family, that's in, throughout the world, and all of the various outposts of the saints, our extended family, our saints that we treasure as brothers and sisters. I release the full measure of the blood of Jesus upon you, the anointing of the Spirit of God. I ask that you would come upon those places of prayer and commune with you and lead your people into new vistas of experience in your heart. I rebuke fear and I release the agape of the Lord into every one of these precious ones. And Father, thank you for this privilege. Thank you for allowing us to serve you in this way, in this hour. Thank you that you have chosen us. Thank you that you are more than enough. And thank you that you are building up that flood, that river of God. And the enemy is going to be put to flight. The flood is coming. The rain of God is coming. You're creating a hunger in people who are going to join themselves. This year of wisdom is still going to see not only the things that you have promised, the breakthroughs, but the things that we did not see that you're, that you're doing now that are going to delight our hearts because it's your will. I ask health, strength, encouragement, and the fortitude of the Spirit of God to be within and upon and through every one of these saints. And for this, I thank you, and I, I give you all the glory for it. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, thanks for joining with us, uh, this great group of saints today. And know that we love you. We're praying for you. Don't forget, um, Friday, 10 o'clock, good Friday morning, God willing, we'll be here. And um, the Internet will be working, and we'll broadcast live, but then we'll get that put up so that you can enjoy it or partner with it um, throughout the day or whenever. And we'll see you again then on Sunday. So until then, know that we're praying for you, and we trust that we're all moving in splendid fashion on behalf of our Father as the saints and intercessors were called to be. God bless you all. Thanks for joining, and goodbye.